Welcome to Growing Up Skywalker. I'm Sam. Hi, I'm Anna. And today we've got a spooky season arc for you. Spooky and plaguey. Eh, spooky. We've got the Brain Invaders arc, the follow-up to Second Battle of Geonosis. We're starting off with Legacy of Terror. We're concluding our five-episode Geonosis arc with these two. Yes. So we're putting a pin in it and worms. <laughs> in people's mouths. So we start off and Kiari Mundi, Obi-Wan, the whole gang, uh, Anakin and Luminara are all chasing across Geonosis after Lord Poggle. They're trying to like reassert control after the events of the last episode. Yeah, they did almost the entire mission that they were trying to accomplish during the Battle of Geonosis. The weapons factory was destroyed, but they haven't completed the final part, which was capturing Poggle, mm -hmm. transporting him to Coruscant to be questioned and imprisoned, question mark? Question mark. Yeah, you know, they're going to do what they're going to do with him, but they know that the mission is not over till they get him. So they start spreading out and looking for him. And Luminara is like, I am sick of not having this mission resolved. I'm going to get on my motorbike and ride off. And she puts on her cool glasses and speeds off at 100 miles an hour with one clone. So cool. Importantly, Team Padawan is kind of out of the action this episode. They're like taking some PTO. Yes. They're yeah. taking a well-deserved nap this episode. Yeah. So Luminara says, please make sure to leave some of the strategic planning for me as they set up their plan. Now, Luminara rides off into the sunset, and there's a storm a-brewing, but she sees a piece of evidence from Poggle's convoy, because Poggle is driving a tank that's hauling loot and munitions behind it on little laser leather. And they leave a little breadcrumb trail. Yes, yes. They're headed for the Pro-Gate Temple. Yes, so they get there, and Luminara arrives shortly thereafter, and finds that a hatch in the bottom has been opened. The temple is freaky, it's got, if we haven't mentioned yeah, that. Yeah, so it's in the normal Geonosian architecture, which is very uh, weird arches. and But this one in particular, because it's got a whole bunch of Geonosian gargoyles on it. I really want to talk about the gargoyles. They do radio in to the rest of the mm -hmm. Jedi Masters back at HQ because they think Poggle went down into the catacombs. Yeah. Too bad Barris isn't there to memorize all 200 intersections. Well, that was a completely different spot. I know. Yeah. But yeah. maybe she could have, you know, figured something out for this one. But <laughs> no. So as is tradition in Star Wars, as soon as you get on a call, all of a sudden, like you cut to the people receiving your call and then you get captured by the enemy. And this happens to Luminara. She is captured. Yes. And by the time Obi-Wan and Anakin make it to the temple, they're gone. Mm -hmm. Buzz, her clone, has been killed. Yes. Luminara's lightsaber is there. Yes. And so Obi-Wan picks it up and then comes a real scary part. And then begins the body horror. Yeah, so they go down into this these catacombs underneath there and start getting attacked by Geonosians, but these Geonosians are brain zombies. They, they are, are a dead. shambling crew of blank-eyed, rotting mm -hmm. bug carcasses 
with little parasitic worms flickering in and out of their nostrils. Yeah, they aren't that little. They're like a foot long. They're the size of like, you know, year old snakes. Those are like garter snakes. That is way worse than a COVID test. Like you would (laughs) feel that. Fun fact, Sam, the episode Legacy of Terror Mm -hmm. aired one month after The Walking Dead premiered its first episode. Really? Coincidence? I think not. I mean, probably. It takes a lot of time to actually like... I think the Clone Wars team and the walking dead team were friends and they were like yo you know what you should do is a zombie episode i mean so that whole time period had a strong zombie ethos which we can talk about but luminar is doing a kickboxing class by the way on these zombies which is so cool fabulous but she still gets she she just can't beat them because as uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan are learning and Cody that like you can shoot him in the head and they just keep coming. Yeah. And the thing that gives me chills about this is that Luminara, as soon as she like punches one or kicks one in the stomach, mm-hmm. she immediately realizes how bad the situation is. And she radios Obi-Wan and she's like, you need to leave. Yeah, Don't come after me. Yeah. Let me go. Obi-Wan is like, that signal came from this direction. Let's go. So he- she is correct, though, because this is where it gets very, 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 very bad. So they come around the corner and they see the Geonosian queen who is pooping out babies. She queen is, Karina the Great. She is enormous. She is one iota head and 99% flesh sack. Egg sack. Egg larva producing yeah. Postural. I mean, she's she's 50 feet tall and 100 feet long. She's enormous. What I wrote in my notes is like she's as big as the Zillow Beast, but she's like bulbous and mm-hmm. slimy and she's got this like creaky old witch voice. Yeah, she is able to speak in Galactic Basic and the uh, she's got Luminara there chained up in, you know, Electro Shackles yeah. and Poggle is there. And Poggle is about ready to put a brain worm inside of her to communicate. And Obi-Wan's trying to negotiate. Obi-Wan's like, all right, Cody, infiltrate around the columns. Yeah, Obi-Wan Turn on has your a lights plan. when there's a problem. Anakin is like, y'all get the soldiers, I'll get the queen. And I was like, I think it is so endearing that mm-hmm. you think that's how this situation's going to shake out. Because, like, my boy. Yeah. Honey, read the room. Well, it's... And Obi-Wan's like, no, like, we can't just go in lightsabers blazing. We need to, like, have a little bit of tact. But he's doing a very, um, I, I do this in D&D a lot. So if you're in my D&D party or DM for me, don't listen. But the uh, the trick is you keep talking to get closer. Yeah. <laughs> he's doing his very, like, diplomatic kind mm-hmm. of like, hello, your majesty kind of thing. It turns out, though, that they are kind of exactly where the queen wants them. Yes. Because she's like, I had one Jedi and now I have three Jedi. Yes. Yes. And she is about ready to put a worm in Luminara. Can I give you the quote, Sam? Because I almost died. It's hilarious. Now watch Jedi as my child enters your Jedi friend. Mm -hmm. Her thoughts will become my thoughts. Her mind will become my mind. And I'm just like, Sam, my palms are sweating Mm -hmm. thinking about this. And Anakin's like, all right, it's time to act. And everyone's like, 
What hold up? Do you think it's gonna go in through the ear or the nose? Oh my god, Obi-Wan, <laughs> this is not the time. So at that moment, Obi-Wan says, now Cody bursts out from the walls and shines his lights, blinds all the zombies. They grab the lightsaber, start fighting, grab Poggle, put handcuffs on him, and start running away. All the clones shoot out the supports and everything collapses on top of Karina the Great. Obi-Wan is still trying to grab one of the worms and Mm -hmm. Anakin like steps on it. And Obi-Wan is like, you monster. I was going to study that. Yeah, and Anakin says, study the bottom study of my boot. Study the bottom of my boot. Ugh, for once, I agree with Anakin. Oh, I, I disagree, but they... Whatever. Whatever. So they, they have a cool scene where they climb out of the tunnel that they... Or the column, the chimney that they... The air vent, yeah. Yeah. And the, like, collapsing tunnel explodes and shoots them shoots out. Shoots them out. And they all land there and they grab Poggle and they are done with that part of the mission. They've so. like deposed the queen and committed regicide. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Pretty so. crazy. Pretty crazy. Meanwhile, back at base, it's time now that they have Poggle to send him back to Coruscant, which is where the next episode comes. So this play. is where we we hook into brain invaders. Mm-hmm. I want to say the fortune cookie attachment is not compassion. Mm. My notes just say LOLOLOLOL Anakin with a million <laughs> exclamation points. Yeah, because it is a very pointed fortune cookie. But when we open on the episode, Ahsoka and Barris wake up from their nap. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, they missed the entirety of the last episode. They did not need that energy in their lives. <laughs> Very grateful they Team Padawan sat that one out. They get to hang out in the thick of this episode instead. Well, so what's happening is that the Team Jedi is taking Poggle to Coruscant. Right. But there's another mission that's like not on the way. To pick up some medical supplies. Yeah, they're tasking the Padawans with a supply mission to Dantooine to Mm -hmm. help out Mace Windu, while everyone else delivers Poggle to Coruscant. And then, pretty much immediately, Sam, the body horror starts up again. So there's a bunch of clones taking a nap on the rocks. Well-deserved naps. And all of a sudden, the subtitles say, cracking and moist slithering slithering as one... Slithers along and crawls, and, and this is where we learn if it goes in through the ear or the nose. It it's goes a to queen Karina larva. It cracks open. It slithers into the nose of this clone named Scythe. Mm-hmm. He gets infected. He arches backwards with this cracking sound, yeah, like he's when freaky. you step on a roly poly. Mm-hmm. I literally can't. I can't with this body horror. Like not even seeing Kit Fist or this episode can make this any better for me. So I'm dying. His platoon of clones is on this mission. And as we see them all loading up aboard the ship, we see that Scythe has a backpack full of eggs. A nest of them. Yeah. So Ahsoka and Barris are kind of manning this mission. Mm-hmm. Ahsoka feels really restless. She can't sleep. There's, there's a funny scene. They're lying. They're like bunking together. Yeah, and it's so sweet. They're lying there, and Ahsoka's like tossing and turning, and she looks over at Barris, and Barris is like perfectly still, and she's like, "What?" I know it is so <laughs> great. The friendship watered my crops. This episode it was so wonderful. Ahsoka's like, "Can we just go get something to eat, please?" Yeah. They're in the cafeteria. They're actually having like a really important discussion here. Oh yeah, that's a freaky discussion. Let me tell you the plot of this 
episode is banana pants because there's so much going on (laughs) that I really want to talk about. They're having this really important discussion about peacetime and what it's going to mean to be a Jedi when the war is over. Yeah, like the difference between being a keeper of the peace and being a warrior. Meanwhile, Scythe has a backpack full of larva eggs and Mm -hmm. he is relinquishing them all over the ship. Yep, he's he's rolling them like bocce balls into the bunkhouses. He infects the, the entire clones. barracks full of clones. Mm-hmm. And I just want to like slough my skin off thinking about this. I'm trying to be professional here, but I'm dying. So Scythe takes two of his zombie minions mm-hmm. to the bridge. They walk in and take over. Basically. And then a bunch of them attack Barris and Ahsoka in the cafeteria. Yeah, two of them do. And uh, Barris and Ahsoka knock them out. It's a very cool scene. It is a cool scene. They kick over the cafeteria table. Yeah, and then like they're getting shot at and they uh, slice the blaster and then throw them both into the wall. And then two clones come in right afterwards. So they're figuring out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Ahsoka and Barris try to head to the bridge because they're like, we need to stop this ship. And then one of the clones like comes after them and almost gets Barris with his parasite. Yes. She gives him... A grievous special from yeah. the front. Yeah, and it was, a, so scarily enough, so these two clones and one of them's trap mm-hmm. are like, what happened? We heard gunfire and uh, Ahsoka and Barris are like, blasters on the ground. We aren't listening to you. You guys turned against us. And Trap's like, I don't know what you're talking about. But once Trap gets Barris alone, he tries to brain infest her. So they're able to lie. Horrifying. Yeah. So the Padawans escape into the air ducts. They decide that they need to quarantine the ship so mm-hmm. that it doesn't reach Dantooine or the medical station and infect anybody. Mm-hmm. Ahsoka does her part. The Padawans split up. Ahsoka radios Kit Fisto. She's like, we have a huge problem. We cannot bunk at the medical station. And Kit Fisto is like, we need you to pick up these supplies. Well, also, he wants to know about the uh, he's he's on team Obi-Wan. He's like, we'll he solve that. I want to see these worms. Them. Yeah, he's he, you know, he's he's got an affinity for worm people because he's got that, you know, tentacle hair. I refuse to acknowledge this as canon, (laughs) and I will simply ignore it. (laughs) So Ahsoka's successful with her part. Barris, however, gets caught in a trap. Mm -hmm. And what Scythe says to her is he electrocutes her. If there's one thing we clones know, it's how to stop a Jedi. And she screams right as the force field comes in and cuts off her Oh my god, horrifying. Mm -hmm. They get her. They infect her. And then we get a crazy interrogation torture scene. Yes. So the message has met up and Anakin is like, I need to know what Poggle knows. And Kiati Mundi and Luminara and Obi-Wan are like, yeah, Poggle's not talking. Anakin goes to Poggle's holding cell, tells the guards to leave, goes in there and Poggle's like, your Jedi mind tricks won't work on me. And Anakin's like, I bet the back of my hand will work on you and starts just clobbering him. And then force choking him, force choking him. Did you hear that music in the background, Sam? Oh, yeah. The Imperial March is playing. Yes. Which harkens back to a little bit earlier when they were talking about Barris and and Ahsoka were talking earlier. And Ahsoka was remarking how Anakin's views of what the world's going to be like post-war are radical. Mm, And he might not even know how to adjust to a peacetime future. Anyway, we cut away from the interrogation scene, but Anakin got the information that he needed. Mm -hmm. The worms can be stopped by the cold. Mm -hmm. 
So he radios into Ahsoka. She's crawling through the air ducts. He's like, you have to break the coolant system. Meanwhile, she's like, there's a clone directly underneath her who's like, I thought I heard someone's phone. And she's like, mute, mute, mute. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So... Ahsoka does it. She breaks the coolant system and then everything gets very spicy and very tight very quickly. There's cold frost fog everywhere. There's frost limbing the entire ship. They're coming out of hyperspace. Kit Fisto's trying to get them to dock, but Barris is coming after Ahsoka. She is stalking her throughout the ship. They're finally fighting in the bridge and Mm -hmm. Ahsoka hits Barris with a face full of coolant And Barris snaps out of the fugue state enough to be like, Ahsoka, kill me, please. Yeah, the worm is crawling out of her mouth. Horrifying. And then we see, and and Ahsoka is shivering this whole time because she's just wearing her normal, you know, crop Crop top. top. Yeah. Crop top and knee highs. Yeah. Yeah. All we see is that Ahsoka fires up her lightsaber and slashes, and then we cut over to Kit Fisto. By the time he boards the ship... They've done it. It's freezing cold. Mm-hmm. The worms are dead. Ahsoka's holding Barris in her arms. I'm crying. Mm-hmm. And Ahsoka's like, hi, Master Fisto. We're ready to get the supplies now. Aww. My babies. It's been zero days since I <laughs> cried at a freaking Clone Wars episode. So anyway. then we wake up and Ahsoka is in a hospital bed and Anakin's right there. Yeah, and they're fine. Everyone's fine. Barris is fine. Barris yeah. is fine. I'm the only one who's a wreck, apparently. And we close on this really important discussion between Anakin and Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. Ahsoka's trying to figure out if she really should have killed Barris yeah. when Barris was begging her to. Yeah. What Anakin says is that you followed your instincts, like you made the right choice. And I think that is a really interesting Scene that really clarifies the fortune cookie, mm-hmm. right? Attachment is not compassion. Because he's talking about attachment as well, saying like uh, Barris knew her duty and she didn't want to like pass on the brainworm. She wanted the situation to resolve without further explosion. Yeah, but know? also like it might have been the compassionate thing to give Barris what she wanted yeah. in that moment, yeah. but it might not have been the right course of action. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the end of the episode. Everyone's fine. Except for Trap and probably a bunch of clones and Queen Karina, who might have been the only queen of the Geonosians, so now they're extinct. Yeah. So that's the arc. And there is so much to talk about. This arc is bananas. Yeah. Where do you want to start? Um. So when Luminara puts on her riding leathers and... And her badass speeder goggles. Yeah, and she rides off. There's a fun scene where she is looking over a cliff with her macro binoculars, which are sweet. They're tiny. Mm -hmm, They fit in your pocket. mm -hmm. And she's like, this thing is 150 clicks southwest. And I was like wait a minute, I've heard that number before. So I did the math to see how high up above something you have to be to see 150 kilometers. Okay. Because normally you can only see about 15 kilometers uh, flat to flat. Wow. Yeah, you have to be on like a two, you have to be 2,000 meters or, you know, 6,000 feet and change above something to see 150 meters. Oh, that's crazy. Unless Geonosis is a really huge planet or a really small planet, in which case it's different. Hmm. And I just thought that that was an interesting nerdy thing. Yeah, the sense of scale mm-hmm. in Legacy of Terror is absolutely bonkers. It is a really interesting episode spatially. Yeah. The sandstorm is really claustrophobic that it is. that Luminara has to 
ride through. The catacombs are very claustrophobic, but the actual temple, the progate temple, is soaring mm -hmm. and massive. And there's also a very funny moment in that very beginning where Poggle's driving his tank along and there's two droids talking to each other. And OM3, oh, I can't see you. You're right next to me. And then OM3 oh, falls over and is like, low power, low Don't power. Don't leave me. Yeah. Which is, you know, kind of sad. I don't know what happened to those droids. I presume that they all fell to whatever. Who knows? Yeah. Okay, can we rewind and quickly like talk about the invasion of Geonosis holistically yeah. for a second? Okay. I'm orienting myself. So in the beginning of Legacy of Terror, Obi-Wan says, let's make sure we don't have to take Geonosis a third time. Yeah. Is there a reason, like a strategic reason, apart from the droid factory, why Geonosis is so important? I don't think so. I mean, those droid factories are a big deal because they create all of those droids. Right. right? But so in Attack of the Clones, they go mm -hmm. to Geonosis for the first time, basically just to rescue Obi-Wan. Yeah. Right? And then there's the Battle of Geonosis, mm -hmm. and they try to take Geonosis. I think... In Attack of the Clones, they do take it because in Brain Invaders, they talk about how the worms might be how Geonosis got retaken. Right. So they right, might have right. like left a garrison force in place and then that garrison force got brainwormed. And they're yeah. like, well, what happened? Anakin's like, I don't want to have to do this a third time. Yeah. But it seems like such a lost cause. Like, why not just leave Geonosis to be Geonosis? Because they're going to keep making dreads. Hmm. And if you'll recall, the end of episode two, Poggle the Lesser also has the plans for the Death Star. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So there, there's a handful of things. I think this is really interesting, actually. There's various like cathedral factories and like temple factories that the separatists use. And there are all these different species and the Genosians are one of them. They just make quality machinery. And that's where vulture, bomb, vulture fighters and hyena bombers and the B-1 battle droids, B-2 battle droids come from. Weird. Yeah, because the uh, Trade Federation originally was like, hey, yeah, build us some battle droids and make them, you know, tough and strong and cool. And then the Geonosians are like, how about we build them? And then we make them look a little bit like Geonosians. We make them really, really cheap. And they fall apart really easy, but that makes them really easy to repair. And so that's just a completely different paradigm. But it makes sense for an insect race to be like, ah, yes, we are good at making like a whole bunch of something in our cathedral factories. Yeah. Okay. If we're talking about cathedrals and temples, mm -hmm. then I really want to talk about the architecture of the Progate Temple. With the gargoyles. It's crazy. But okay, the thing that is most vivid and freaky to me is that sculpture of the Geonosian queen that yeah. they see when Obi-Wan and Anakin and their clone Anakin troopers. Anakin says, hello, ugly. I know. Okay, whatever. We don't know the beauty standards of the Geonosians. Queen Karina the Great may be like a stunner, mm -hmm. but the sculpture is like her face all the way at the top of this big arched entryway. Mm -hmm. And then there's this like massive tapered sort of teardrop shaped door underneath, mm -hmm. basically connecting to her chin, right? The chin of the gargoyle. Yeah. And the first time I saw it, I was like, weird, they made the head so small. Like, why is there this very small gargoyle sculpture 
all the way at the top of this soaring atrium. And then you see her. And then you see her and you realize this massive door is like one tenth the size of her body. Yes. It's like made in her image. Mm -hmm. Like Queen Karina is carved over and over and over again. Like everything is in her image. Yeah. But it's just the first part of her egg sack. Like it's not even a tenth of her body. She is huge. She is massive. Yeah, she's uh, she's freaky too. So that must be why um, you know Genosis is important. They're getting pulled in, and they have this hive mind, and that's what uh, Anakin and Obi Wan are talking about when they first go into Purgate Temple. Obi Wan says, "I've heard rumors that there's a queen, mm-hmm. and no one's ever seen her." Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's something that I want to talk about really quickly mm-hmm. in the throne room that I didn't realize that became quickly very clear. So when Obi-Wan and Anakin are kind of putting their plan into motion and the clones are circling the throne room, Obi-Wan is doing his diplomacy thing and he's basically treating with the queen like he's a diplomat. Yeah. He says, your empire is at an end. You Mm -hmm. have to submit to Republic law. Yeah. I guess when I heard queen... I didn't think monarchy. I thought the bug that makes the babies. Isn't that an interesting shift? Because we see her actually making babies the entire fight. We do. She's she's spitting out eggs every second on the second the entire time she's on camera. It is so gnarly. But that made me think that, like, this is a ruling regent. Mm-hmm. This is a royal figure. Yeah. That's an interesting dichotomy to have made. Yeah. And what I thought was really pointed is that she uses the language empire. Mm-hmm. She's like, my empire is forever. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder. So there's eggs that Geonosians grow from, I presume. I guess so. And then there's eggs that the little brainworms grow from. And those are different species, maybe. Unless maybe. like, unless the worms hatch into Geonosians later, like you become the like egg for a genus, oh, which would be gnarly. Know. No, the eggs don't. The size doesn't make sense for that. So it's almost like there's two species at work here. It's really, really a complex biology going on. I feel like Obi-Wan. I'm like, this is interesting. What's going on here? Okay. Well, I was on the political science side and I was like, <laughs> wow, I guess I hadn't really thought about the fact that the Republic is going around upending other people's empires. Yeah. Like I realized the bugs are not the good guys here in this situation Mm -hmm. but we've dealt with sovereignty before in the clone wars in a more palatable way like remember the talls in the um the senator chuchi arc and they got to retain their sovereignty right yes the geonosians don't and that is because they're on the wrong side of the war quote unquote wrong side of the war yeah well, you know, when Jedi show up at your doorstep, you're at the wrong side of that doorstep. So. Yeah, for real. So anyway, I was like, man, you have to comply with the Republic or they're going to kill your regent. Yeah, although I don't I mean, killing her seems it seems like the temple fell apart, like just 
more than it should have for how much they shot it. Yeah. So and something happened there. We never saw a body, so we don't know for sure that Queen Karina is gone. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the Geonosians are have an interesting political thing because previously we talked about how Paul the Lesser is a, I think a duke maybe, hmm. uh, whatever he is, because I think he's called that by Count Duke. Oh, okay, interesting. And he rose through the ranks of being born at a low caste and, and ended up controlling uh, enough of the planet to ask for help or to be persuaded by Dooku to provide battle droids for the Separatists. Mm -hmm. But then in his hour of everything's falling apart, he goes to Queen Karina. Yeah, he kneels at her throne. Mm -hmm. He's like subjecting himself to her. So she is the actual power of Geonosis. Mm -hmm. And it makes me wonder what is, you know, it's a complicated system. It's interesting, which I appreciate because so often in science fiction, but in fantasy as well, they'll be like, ah, yes, they have a political system. It's like this minus all these rational parts. It's like, you know, so many other political systems are so complicated historically Mm. and seeing that something can just be weird and complicated is fun. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate getting that insight in the Clone Mm. Wars. I think they did a, a really nuanced and beautiful job with this arc. For sure. I want to talk about how much clone time we got because we got a fair bit of like, you know, nameless clones or clones who get like names that are going to get gone in one second. There were a lot of named clones. Yeah. And I love that all of the Jedi, Barris and Ahsoka, talk to them back and forth. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, yes, we've had this conversation with the clones. However, before that, I want to talk about the relationship between Ahsoka and Anakin. Okay. Because it covers a lot of ground here, particularly when they're having Midnight Snack, right? And Ahsoka is talking about how Anakin has radical views. And, you know, Barris and Ahsoka are talking about what it's going to be like after the war. And Ahsoka, I think, has really valid concerns. She's like, I've never been trained on what the difference between a warrior and a peacekeeper is. Yeah, it made me feel so sad to see Ahsoka as the product, the Padawan Mm. product of this war. She's like, I literally don't know what it would look like to be any other kind of Jedi than the one that I am. Yeah. And Barriss is like, I wish I could help you figure this out, but I'm still a learner too. Like, Mm -hmm. this is a conversation you should be having with Master Skywalker. And what does he say? And she's like, oh, he's like always talking in his sleep about forming an empire. Oh, my God. Yikes on bikes. Well, that goes back to what he said, I believe, in episode two in Attack of the Clones. He's like, he has this very naive view of how a political system should work, which is. He really does. mm -hmm. Oh, the picnic conversation with Padme? Yes. Yeah. And I don't know if he's gotten any better with that because he doesn't seem to have any self awareness that at the end he's talking about you need to be willing to let people go. That's what he's telling Ahsoka. And he is just the worst person to be giving that advice. Okay, but I have a lot of sympathy for that. Oh, As same. someone who can dish out really phenomenal advice yeah, and cannot take it yeah. uh, on a personal level, I feel that. I'm like... Yeah, that's true for everyone. I yeah. thought it was really nice. And I think he was trying to comfort his Padawan in a time of duress for her. Mm-hmm. Ahsoka had to deal with a lot this episode. Yeah, she really did. And, you know, she does so really well. Across both of the She did amazing. Mm -hmm. I want to actually talk, since we're talking about characterizations, 
I want to talk about the characterization of Luminara in this arc. She seems pissed. <laughs> She's a little different than we've seen her. She, okay, I really identify with Luminara. Okay, I, so, interesting. Uh, if if you ever, any if you on the street, you the listener, or you, Anna, want to, like, really piss me off enough to make me, like, go crazy, ask me to do something and don't let me finish. Mm-hmm. And so Luminara is called in from wherever she was in the war. Probably doing something very important. And she's, and you know, she gets a holocron last episode and it's like, Obi-Wan is, is, you know, in pieces and Kiari Mooney's in pieces and Skywalker needs some help. And so she shows up. She's like, all right, we got one thing. We're going to take care of this and capture Poggle. Uh, Barris will take care of the factory and I'll capture Poggle. Easy peasy. And then Barris like survives and she realizes that she's had this like she's not as willing to go as far to save her Padawan as Anakin is. So she feels weakened by that. Maybe. But then her mission is undone. Yeah, they didn't capture Poggle. She's like, she's got work to do. Yeah, she's like, I hate sand. It's coarse. It's irritating. It gets everywhere. (laughs) I want to I want to go take out Poggle and I am a Jedi and he's just one freaking old Geonosian with a stick. I can beat him up. She's like, we have been waiting too long for anybody to make any progress. If you want a job done, do it yourself. Yeah. Peace. Luminara out. Yes. And I... Uh, I can relate to that. I think that's a relatable thing. And, you know, it's not angry or anything. She's like, I don't care she about like finishing urgency. the war here. Yeah. The other thing that really pisses Sam off, if you want to know, is unoptimized processes. That's true. And I can uh, now I'm seeing Luminara in you a lot. <laughs> but the other piece of her characterization that I really loved that I really thought was finely drawn when she goes after Poggle Kiati is like, Luminara isn't one to take unnecessary risks. Yeah. Like, I love when characters get to be known and seen for that. But I also love when they get to exist in this state of ambiguity. Like, Luminara isn't as hot and cold as Anakin and Ahsoka. Or Obi-Wan, honestly. Or Obi-Wan. But she gets to be like stately and elegant and wise and strategic, but also someone who gets to kick her leg over a speeder bike and like zoom off after a war criminal mm-hmm. with one clone to back her up. Cause that's all she needs. She's, she's channeling Qui-Gon there mm, of like the what, maverick kind of thing. Kind of like, what do you need to solve this problem? And it's like, well, if, if this problem requires a Jedi, all you really need is to deliver the Jedi to the problem and it will cease being a problem. And that's kind of a Mace Windu thing too. Maybe yeah. they borrowed each other's notes in Padawan class. Maybe. The other moment that I just absolutely love, like this will get me every time. It's when she's in her electro shackles in the throne room. Yeah. Anakin and, well, I'm not talking about that scene because I think that scene is inexcusable when uh-huh. Obi-Wan is like, no, wait, I wanted to see no, it go the, in. But the scene before that. So the scene when Anakin and Obi-Wan walk up to rescue her, mm-hmm. there is this blink and you miss it moment. She lifts her head up mm-hmm. and her eyes glow. And she smiles. And she smiles yeah. just a little. And I think that is so beautiful because it's that moment when people come through for you. Yes. When you told them not to. In those moments when people come after me, Mm -hmm. when I was trying to push them away, like I know I am loved and cared for. Yeah. And to see Anakin and Obi-Wan come through for her Mm -hmm. 
God, how good does that feel? Oh, well, that's that's the line. She says, I thought I told you not to come after me. And Obi-Wan says, well, apparently I'm learning from Anakin yeah. to not follow orders. And Anakin says, hey. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I resemble that remark. <laughs> so great. I just uh, cleared my skin. Yeah. So beautiful. Good stuff. Got me in the feels. So then comes the part that you don't want to talk about and you've been avoiding, which is the worms. It is October. It's, it's almost season. Halloween. Yeah. What do you want to talk about? Well, there's a scene that we glossed over, which is when Ahsoka and Barris are still together and they've learned that basically the bridge has been taken and all the clones are untrustworthy and they go to a cargo bay or something and they see, they hear Geonosian and the clones are speaking Geonosian and oh they've got God. one clone tied down and they're giving him a brain enema. They're worm giving enema. him the up the nose yeah. special. It is so uh it's so gritty in this episode but then when we see once once barris has turned her whole demeanor changes oh my god and you don't see it as much in the clones because it's not like like all the clones also they look really evil they become very frozen and very cold and sinister but Mm -hmm. they become almost more minimal in their body language yeah whereas barris goes animalistic she is hunched over and she is stalking her teeth yeah she is really a scary adversary and when she finds ahsoka in the back where ahsoka is sending out her uh, emergency distress signal to rex oh on the bridge uh no in the back because she went to the aft emergency Mm, comm mm -hmm, center mm -hmm. and she turns around and she's like barris what happened Barris, did they get to you? Barris for friends. And oh my God. Barris force punches through the reinforced glass. And the glass explodes and shatters all around Ahsoka as she blocks herself. And then there's these cool running fights for the next little bit yeah. as Ahsoka like bats away her lightsaber, kicks her in the stomach, and runs away mm-hmm. over and over again. And it's mm-hmm. very cool. Yeah. It's really tough. The there's so much that I want to say about these two pieces. Like the first thing is that. With Luminara shackled and the Geonosians about to feed the parasite into her nose. And then again with the clone in the barracks when all the clones are ganging up on him and trying to do Mm -hmm, the same. mm -hmm. The word that I wrote down was violating. Yeah. The parallel that so unsettled me in this episode is how violating it is for someone to do something to your body that you didn't give consent to. Mm -hmm. Well, especially your brain and intent. Yes. Because like once your intentions change, then you don't like want to get better, you know? Yeah. And the fact that it not only invades your body, but it also takes over your brain. Like I know a lot of survivors of coercive assault Mm -hmm. say that one of the things that helps them in recovery is knowing that they're still themselves yeah that um in in that realm people disassociate yeah to protect themselves yeah you you think that's not me that's that happened to someone else yeah either it happened to someone else or like that happened to me but i'm more than that Mm mm-hmm 
And that is how you move past it. And yeah. And so what I hated about this arc is just that it infiltrates every component of you, all of you, like body, mind, soul. That was a lot. But actually what really got me with the Padawans was not Barris coming after Ahsoka. It was that moment in the air ducts right before Mm-hmm. when they're about to like Scooby-Doo, like split up gang. And Ahsoka's like, I don't want us to split up. Like, I want to hang with you. Well, she's like, we need to watch each other's back. Exactly. Basically. Ahsoka's right. What Barris says in response is like, one of us has to succeed. Mm-hmm. And I know that if it comes to the worst, you will do what needs to be done. She's giving Ahsoka permission to kill her. Yeah, that's if good she gets infected. Yeah. Like, this is what makes me feral for Barris and Ahsoka. <laughs> like, the stakes are so high and they're unquestionably always ready to die for what needs to be done. You know, it's an interesting thing about that scene as well is that this arc, this meta arc, is the first time we really meet Barris. Mm. And what is her task? It's you've memorized 200 tunnels. You have to bring explosives through this 200 tunnels and that's like your job and you have another padawan to go with you yeah. if you if you need them whatever. Yeah. She is actually trained to operate independently. I really noticed that because there's a couple moments in Brain Invaders, the second mm-hmm. episode of the arc, when Barris kind of does take ownership over the situation. She really does. She's the one who's like, we need to quarantine the ship. Ahsoka, mm-hmm. you need to do this. I need to do this. She is an independent operator. And Ahsoka is kind of not. Ahsoka is either covering up for Anakin or acting as an instrument of Anakin's will a lot. Mm, I think Ahsoka did what needed to be done beautifully, mm-hmm. but I saw less of her independence. Yeah. Her original thinking. Yeah. And I wonder how much of that is that her original independent thinking is sort of like a collaborative with Mm, Anakin. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, there's people you riff off of in your life. Yeah. And they seem to riff off of each other. And when you don't have people you're riffing off of, you're like, okay, cool. I'm just going to exist. But you are not firing on all those cylinders, you know? I, yeah, maybe. I think also, like, having Barris there, Barris just seems a little older and a little wiser than Ahsoka, so maybe Ahsoka bit. just kind of looks up to her. Barris is her friend. She might be an older Padawan. Like, maybe. maybe Ahsoka was just kind of feeling like she was the one who was supposed to be following orders in this situation. Yeah, that's true, because when they were having that dinner, Ahsoka was saying, what is the plan? And Barris has to remind her, like you, I'm but a learner. Yeah, really interesting. Yeah, that relationship is is really meaningful, and this is where it matters, because then at the end, we find them, and uh, Ahsoka's little frozen body is cradling cradling Barris's little frozen body. You know, what was so gorgeous about that is that it was an echo of the moment when they almost died in the Battle of Geonosis arc. Which was like the day before. The day before. They got (laughs) one good nap and then they were back at it again. And it's that moment when Barris was holding Ahsoka's hand when they were about to die. Ahsoka did that for Barris Mm -hmm. when they again thought they were about to die. Yeah. I... Just love female friendships so much. Yeah, and they they had a, a tough burden to bear this time. Yeah, they really did. Ahsoka really thought she was going to have to kill her friend. Yeah. That is not an easy thing to come back from. Yeah, there's, 
There's some really transformative moments in this one. Uh, you know, the more we talk about it, I'm, I'm transitioning a little bit here, but the more we talk about it, the more I feel that everyone is waiting on Anakin to come clean on what he does. Really? Yeah, because when he comes to the war council room and he's like, I have, I talked to Poggle. Poggle told me that they're affected by the cold and Kiati Mundi and Luminara and Obi-Wan are like, you talked to Poggle? How did you get Poggle to talk? And Anakin's like, that's not important right now. What's Yeah. And see, this yeah. is what I was saying about Star Wars sandwiches, these really thorny moments mm-hmm. in between the action. Yes. And then if you don't come back and look at it with a critical lens, you will completely gloss over it. Anakin yeah. force choked a prisoner of war. A high ranking one too. Yeah. A high ranking one. A, a duke, if Poggle's a duke, that's higher than a count. Like he yeah, outranks Count Dooku. I mean, basically Poggle controls the entirety of external affairs for the Geonosians yeah. at this at this juncture. Yeah. Yeah, he's like their ambassador. He's like their senator. He's like their king. Yeah. So and and Anakin just force choked him out. And why? Because he wasn't willing to sacrifice his Padawan. And then, you know, what turns out to happen is that like, you know, Kit Fisto probably would have figured something out. Maybe. Did Anakin know that Fisto was working on it? No, no, but Anakin also wouldn't have trusted anyone else. No, you're right. Like, I want to give Anakin the benefit of the doubt by saying, oh, well, Anakin knew that they couldn't let this parasitic worm plague get out to the galaxy. No, Anakin always, like, and this happens a lot, he'll jump now to attack instead of waiting like one second to see how the situation develops. That is exactly what happened in the throne room. He was ready to go after Queen Karina Mm -hmm. and just let everyone go in guns blazing. And Kenobi's like, no, I have an actual plan. And his actual plan worked. They got everything that they wanted out of that situation. It did work. Yeah. And no one had to fall. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. I got hard eyes for Obi-Wan these days. (laughs) Dang. Yeah, he's he's good in this episode. He actually also, Obi-Wan also asked after Kiati Mundi's wounds. He did. Yeah. Yeah, And Kiati kind of rubs his belly. He's like, yeah, you know, whatever. Fine. I'm fine. Whereas, my splanch is okay. Yeah. Obi-Wan's like, yes, my lung replacements are doing fine <laughs> oh as well. Oh my god. Jeez. The life of a Jedi. I hope they have good health insurance. I mean, they don't have money, so. So they probably have great health insurance. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Hopefully. So yeah, I know that you were not looking forward to watching this one. No, and I watched a significant portion through my fingers. I just want to let you know, like if anything was off, it's because I wasn't watching. I was just like trying to figure out what was going on by the audio, Oh man, which was equally horrifying, might I add. Yeah, the moist slithering oh, is, God. is pretty rough. Can't even handle it when you say it like that. <laughs> so they're big worms there. They are Huge. massive. Yeah. You know, so in my childhood, I watched a lot of Star Trek as well. And in the second Star Trek movie, Wrath of Khan, there's a scene where they put a little worm in uh, Chekhov's helmet and then put his helmet on and the worm crawls inside his ear. That's horrifying. And it's 
like a live action and it's in the 80s and it's practical effects and that is a core memory for me that is a deep scary oh, thing Sam. so this is also pretty scary and the idea of like something crawling in you and controlling you goes back a long time it's one of those mm-hmm. primal things it's it's a demon humans are afraid of things that slither yeah. And I think for good reason. I truly, I have a couple friends with snakes for pets and I don't get it. Yeah. They're like, look, my snake is named Linguini. He's so cute. I'm like, <laughs> get that thing away from me. <laughs> I think this is a common sense reaction over here. Yeah, that's that's fine. But I think the idea of you not being in control of your own actions or being under control of someone else is is really scary and, and cuts to the heart of a lot of like, monster stories right because that's Mm. in a way that's the scary part of vampires is not the blood sucking it's that they can charm you you know they can charm you into believing what you want they can charm you into loving them and that's true of like a demonic possession or something is or sirens yeah or sailors to the bottom of the ocean I mean, I'm, I'm now thinking of all the monster tropes that like overcome your reason mm-hmm. and infiltrate your your common sense and your yourself. And it speaks to, in, in my thought here, of like the core fear of, at least me, one of my core fears would be losing control. Mm. And I think that that's a pretty common fear. But the idea that I am no longer in control of my actions, but I still have to deal with the consequences of them Mm. is extremely scary for a lot of people. You know, I didn't think about this until just now. But if I were one of the clones that recovered from the parasite Mm -hmm. infection on the medical cruiser, I think I would feel a lot of shame. Yeah. For what I did when I was not in control of my body, but it was still me. Even if you were just like running around shooting, like stunning other clones and putting worms in them or something, you know, although the two pilots of the medical ship are shot to death. Yes, they are. So that's pretty scary. But yeah, yeah, definitely. This Clone Wars episode is just like so personal. Like I wasn't expecting a detour into like the philosophical and the body horror and violation and consent and like this was a lot to unpack. I mean, that's what the Clone Wars is all about, though. Like, we get to cover all of these different things. Mm-hmm. I may have been squicked out of my mind, mm-hmm. but I am really glad that we watched these episodes. It was worth it to see Barris and Ahsoka having a sleepover and, like, eating snacks in the cafeteria. <laughs> worth it. <laughs> worth it. It's a, it's a great friendship. And yeah. I think that that's a really important thing to make Ahsoka into the core protagonist that she is going to eventually evolve mm. into. Yeah. Yeah. Is it that time? Time for b- 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 Baywatch. 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 All right. Who is your Bay? I literally can't decide. Like, I want this one to go out to all the women of the Clone Wars all of a sudden, like talking about Luminara and all the Jedi ladies, all the Jedi ladies. Yeah, I want to put a ring on them. All right. So let's let's mark down 
Let's let's look at their various failings and figure out what's up. Wow. Let's look at their various triumphs and figure it out. Okay. I'm torn between Luminara and Ahsoka. All right. Luminara because Luminara was ready to sacrifice herself mm-hmm. for her friends, her colleagues. And for the war effort. Yeah. And for the war effort and for everything. She was like, maybe if I am the only one who's affected by this... Maybe this freaky plague will stay where it is. Maybe. Hopefully. Yeah. Like she was ready to do what Barris was ready to do. Also, she's uh action girl in that first episode. Everyone else so is cool. like, oh man, it's really windy out. And she's like, I'm getting on my a motorbike. And dipping. Yeah. Don't send a man to do a woman's job. <laughs> no, but I I think my bae's Ahsoka. She went through so much trauma this episode. Like, there was so much on her shoulders. She's wrestling with, like, this tough conversation with Barris about how to be a Jedi when about there's no war. her future career, yeah. Her future career. She has to decide whether or not to kill her friend when yeah. her friend is begging her to kill her. And she has to do it all alone while clones are chasing her through a ship and Barris is chasing her through a ship. It's a very scary situation. You know what? And it's also there is this tiny moment when Barris and Ahsoka are in their their barracks, their little bunk mm-hmm. together. And I noticed that Ahsoka sleeps with her lightsaber under her pillow. Mm-hmm. Like this is a girl that does not turn off her work mode when she's off work hours. Yeah. Yeah. I just my heart goes out to Ahsoka this episode. When the rubber hit the road, she did what she needed to do. I felt for her. Mm-hmm. I think my bae's Ahsoka. Yeah. With a special shout out for Luminara, who was so great. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, I agree. I'm also on Team Ahsoka. You are? Yeah, I have been since I watched the episode. Double header for Ahsoka? Double header for Ahsoka. Wow! Um, now, in that scene, in the barracks... Mm-hmm. She says, I can't sleep. It's too quiet. Mm. And that has meant a lot of things to me throughout my life. Mm. And like right now, because I'm going through a bit of a rough spell with various things in my life, it matter. It, what it means to me is I can't sleep. It's too quiet and it needs to be noisy. Mm. And that is, I think, what she is feeling that she is so burnt out on combat and doesn't know it because Mm. she's young. She's so young. And when you're young, this is really explored in War by Sebastian Younger and some other books, uh, what it is like to go to war, several other ones. When you have a soldier and you have someone who's young, you know, in their teens, Mm. you can just beat the tar out of them physically and emotionally for a long time. And they're so pliable and so tough. And so resilient. And so resilient. And then they have to deal with the consequences. For the rest of their lives, if they have them. And that is where Ahsoka is because she's a teenager and she's a child soldier. And she's dealing with like early onset PTSD in this episode. Mm. And then what happens? Her friend has worms crawling out of her mouth trying to kill her as she like has to do stuff. Also... And this is actually the dividing thing for me. Throughout the entire Brain Invaders episode, they're blocking blaster bolts and shooting them back oh, at yeah, clones. Yeah, yeah. And so they're throwing clones across the room. Uh, Barris kills at least one clone and Ahsoka kills zero. Wow. You're yeah. right. Yeah. She does deflect a few blaster bolts, but into glancing like shoulder shots. Yeah. So. Barris may not have had a choice 
that guy was really close to her. It was, it was a trap, right? Yeah, it was. It was a trap. Yeah. Yeah, and Ahsoka managed to do it with no casualties. You know, what I just realized is that trap is a perfect name for him because oh, no. he like is sitting there and he's like, "Oh no, it's fine. We came as soon as we heard. Oh yeah, there's worms about. We gotta go chase them. Let's get you alone." And blah, blah. Well, hey, think about Scythe. He was scything through ranks of clones, <sighs> like enslaving them to Queen yeah. Karina's will. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Fun fact about this episode. Yeah. Do you want to know who voiced Queen Karina? Yeah. D. Bradley Baker. What? Voice of the clones. No. Yes. Are you kidding <laughs> me? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. That's wild. Also, um, this episode is worth a watch. If so, uh, when Yoda first came out in the 80s, okay. people are like, yeah. whoa, Yoda speaks super weird. George Lucas, what's the deal with Yoda's speech pattern? It's not like anything on Earth. And George Lucas is like, yeah, he's an alien. Like, I made him speak real weird. Queen Karina also speaks super weird. And she her, does. her like word patterns and conceptual patterns don't correspond with like any language that yeah. I've, I've heard. Because you hear people speak in a different language. You hear them, you know, speak in like someone with a Russian accent and they're like, uh, their plurals and their, you know, pronouns are yeah, off. Sure. And things you carry like that. things from your native yeah. sentence structure. Yeah. But the native sentence structure from Jin Ocean into English is like nonsense. And it's very interesting. To it's me, funky because I thought Queen Karina was fluent. And then there's that moment when she says, I know submit to you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. That is really different sentence structure than she'd been speaking in before. Yes. Yeah. So that was an interesting scene. Yeah. And in light of this spooky season, I recommend everyone watch this episode. This is a great Halloween arc. If you are looking to want to crawl out of your skin, 10 out of 10 recommend. (laughs) If you don't want to crawl out of your skin, 0 out of 10, no stars. (laughs) Do not watch. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode. Uh, we have a new patron we'd like to thank, a mysterious stranger known only as Count Dushku. Count Dushku, thanks for being our newest patron. Thanks for your support. We really appreciate it. It keeps the lights on and it lets us do interesting things like our new business cards. So if you see us in real life, ask for one and we will probably have one. They're really pretty. We really like them. Yeah. As always, please follow us on social media if you want more Skywalker. We are growing up Skywalker on all the major social media platforms. Shoot us questions. If you got questions, growing up Skywalker at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And next we are doing the deserter arc. Not dessert, tragically. <laughs> no eclairs, no baklava. Clone deserters instead. Yeah, which is more delicious. Season two, episodes nine through ten. And make sure to send this episode to everyone who needs a good spooky scare this season. Yeah, just make them want to crawl to their skin for a minute. Tis the season. Yeah. Season's greetings. <laughs> we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.